We were working as a business for 13 years before I realized that I needed to set up a business. <laughs> so I, I like, even though this is year 16 for single track trails, uh, it's really like year three of trying to be organized. And I, I do a lot of referencing to restaurant, the re- like the restaurant industry. Like we have the front of the house and the back of the house. The front of the house include me and our biz dev guy and our marketing guy. And we chase the work and do the planning. And in the back of the house are the cooks, the chefs, the artists, the guys and the staff and the gals that get the project on the ground. And so we have the back of the house is dialed. However, the front of the house is still being created and figuring out how to, oh, we have an HR issue. Do we have something for that? And every business chases this all the time, but that's the hardest thing right now. Podcasting from Boulder, Colorado. This is the Baby Got Backstory podcast, where we dive into the story behind the story of today's most inspiring storytellers, creators, and entrepreneurs. I like big backstories, and I cannot lie. I am your host, Mark Gutman. I'm Mark Gutman, and on today's episode of Baby Got Backstory, how a kid from Indiana in love with his bicycle built his dream job which turned into his dream company, building mountain bike and recreation trails all over the country. Hello! Have you missed us? Because we missed you. We took a short hiatus, summer schedules, kids getting back to school, coming to terms with summer being over. The struggle is real. It all got in the way. But I am so stoked for the upcoming slate of shows we have for you. And you are about to listen to our 40th episode. And when I say that, it doesn't sound like a lot. But 40 episodes of Baby Got Backstory has been the greatest, hardest work of my career. I love doing this show and the people I get to talk to. I learn so much from every single guest. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening, and thank you for keeping me going. Today's show is more than worthy of the 40th episode status. Today, I am talking to Greg Mezu. Greg is a self-described nomad and misfit, and along with his merry band of nomads and misfits, he has created his dream job, designing and building mountain bike and recreational trails all over the United States. I'm sure that sounds like a dream job to a lot of you listening as well. Now, if you like and enjoy the show, please take a minute or two to rate and review us over at iTunes. iTunes uses these as part of the algorithm that determines ratings on the Apple charts. We like high ratings on the Apple charts because those help us to build an audience, which then helps us to continue to produce this awesome, amazing show. During our interview with Greg, one thing will be incredibly clear. He loves what he does. He uses terms like trail artist and clearly articulates his magical blend of work and play. Greg says his title at Single Track Trails is Chief Encouragement Officer, and it's hard not to get encouraged and excited when hearing Greg talk about what he does. From a guy who loved to ride bikes and noodle on trails to a leader in the outdoor recreation industry all across the country, Greg Mezu 
has reset the standard of what it means to do what you love. And this is his story. I'm here with Greg Mezu, and he is the founder and chief encouragement officer of Single Track Trails. And Greg, can you just give us a little context? What is Single Track Trails? Single Track Trails is a outdoor recreation developer. We build infrastructure. We create infrastructure across the country for natural surface hiking, mountain biking, and equestrian use mainly. But we do get into motorized, and we do get into bicycle skill parks and, and other things related to recreating on our natural resources. And when you were a young child, when Greg was eight years old, I mean, is that what you were doing? Were you off building trails? I was always playing outside. Yes. And probably like any other eight year old, I was fascinated with equipment. However, building trails was not something probably even on my radar as something that people do until their twenties or until my twenties. And so, so it, no, it, it wasn't on the radar other than, other than playing outside. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest and had no clue that trails really existed in the, in the way that they do now. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Where'd you grow up and, and what was that like? Uh, I mainly grew up in Southern Indiana. Um, it was as, as most people who are from the Midwest know, it was, it was rather warm. It was rather humid. Uh, I spent most of my days pedaling my road bike around. I uh, got into road racing as a teenager and kind of like my mom, my mom had family in, in Oregon. So, so getting out to the Pacific Northwest was always uh, a, f- a favorite thing in my life. And, uh, and so basically once, once I was able to start forming my own thoughts for what I wanted to do with life, I wanted to get out of the Midwest and, and out to the, out to the West coast kind of as quickly as possible. Yeah. And did you have a sense of what what that might be? I mean, did you always want to be in the outdoor recreation industry or were you more like, Hey, I want to be a, a doctor or a construction dude or, or whatever. I was a teenager in the years of Greg LeMond and I wanted to, I wanted to go to Europe and race my bike. <laughs> I, had, I had no other thoughts other than that. Uh, uh, obviously that didn't work out, but, uh, um, but no, I, I, I really like, <sighs> I've never really thought and planned a, a life goal kind of kind of like that. Like I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer when I grow up. I, 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 I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up right now. So um, I, I'm just taking, I just take what life gives me and kind of, kind of make the lemonade. Yeah. And I, I love this image of you uh, idolizing Greg LeMond. I kind of have this image of like you in the in the movie Breaking Away or something like that. The Italians are coming. The Italians are coming. But uh, especially in Indiana and, yeah. and all that kind well, of stuff. Like I, yeah, I, I used to be able to tell you every single road that that movie was filmed on back in the day. So <laughs> iconic for sure. And you know what was it about road racing that that caught your attention? What did you love about it? got me out of the house. Uh, like, like, like everything that we see about outdoor recreation now, getting out of the house, the freedom, the, the escape from reality that, that was road racing to me. I, it got me out of the house. I, I didn't want to focus on school as much as my parents wanted me to. I didn't want to, didn't want to mow the lawn. So it got me, it got me, got me my independence. Um, you know, and my parents were, were pretty willing to let me start as, as, 
as an early teenager, if you will, they started letting me go in for an hour long ride and then two hour long rides. And then I, I would just go out and disappear and come back probably a better person for them to manage um, in the long run. So yeah, so so that's road racing was my escape. I was in Southern Indiana trails. I mean, what, what trails there were weren't fantastic. The mountain bikes were, you know, fully rigid cantilever brakes, not super awesome. So road bikes were, were, were my escape. Yeah. And in, in that right there, you mentioned that, you know, it necessarily wasn't what, you know, your parents wanted for you. You wanted, you know, they probably wanted you to, to study harder and you wanted to ride your bike. What did your parents want for you? Like what, what were their hopes? I, I, th- I think, you know, obviously doing well in school, uh, probably, you know, moving, moving on and, and, and getting, uh, what I would describe as, as the corporate job and, and, and trying to make it, make, make, make changes in, in that fashion. Um, you know, my, my dad worked for, for BF Goodrich in Alcoa for, for most of his adult life. And, and I, I don't know if that was the way I studied exercise science in college and thought that I would, I would get involved with that somehow, some way. And, 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 I think they were okay with that decision. I think they would have preferred me to be a, a business graduate or something like that. And uh, yeah, I, it was something like expectations were, were, were kind of like you needed always kind of wanting to do better, but, but there, there wasn't on the whiteboard of like, this is what, you know, mark, mark off these boxes in your life kind of thing. Yeah. And so when you were in high school in Southern Indiana, like what was the path for, for most of your friends or most kids in your town? I mean, were they staying and working for the local company? Were they moving on to school? Uh, did, was that always in your future to, to move on to, to higher education? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, uh, my, uh, I, I grew up in a, in a, a quote unquote suburb of a bigger city. So, so everybody was, uh, a little better off. So, so higher education was always, was always on track. Uh, I think maybe some people went off to school and then moved back to where we grew up. And then some others, others like myself kind of escaped across, across the country, uh, to, to, to move on to, a uh, you know, environments that, that spoke more to them personally. Yeah. And so tell me about that. So when you, leave home and, and you, you finish high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like? It sounds like you moved out West and, and give us a little uh, context around that. Nope. Still took me four more years. I went to, I went to Indiana university for four years. I moved out. Uh, you know how some people move out, go into the dorms and they go home every summer. That was not me. I, uh, I, I basically moved into the dorm and, and, and kind of never went home. Like I, like the, the independence of living in a college town was fantastic. Uh, uh, so, so between freshman and sophomore year, I moved into a house with a bunch of bike racing buddies. We spent the summer racing bikes and that was, that was basically, you know, the next three years after that, you know, I just, I just stayed in Bloomington, Indiana for, for four years and then graduated college and, and, and took a month off and, and there, well, a month off, like I just graduated college. Right. So I took a month and, and drove around the West, uh, in my Honda Civic living out of it ended up in Seattle and saw an old, an old IU friend. And, uh, about three weeks later, she called me up and said that they found me a temp job at, at the company they were working for. She and her boyfriend were working for. So I loaded up a moving truck and moved out to uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, by the, by the end of the summer. Yeah. And what was that job and the name of the company that, uh, was waiting for you in Seattle? 
was I was working with Raleigh and Diamondback Bicycles. Uh, I was I was kind of like the grunt in the in the product development uh, department, um, assembling bikes for Interbike at the time, assembling bikes for photo shoots, helping out. They still had a production line in Kent, Washington. So if there was an issue over there, I would I would go over and start breaking chains for 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 the assembly line or or helping to do whatever needed to help it on the assembly line. So wasn't the most intriguing job, but it got me it got me out of out of the Midwest, got me into Seattle. Seattle is is near and dear to my heart now. And uh I have a lot of fake family, as I like to call them out there. So uh, really, really kind of grew. That's when I kind of grew up and realized that there was a world outside of the Midwest. Yeah. And it must've been, you know, well, maybe not, you know, your dream job, it got you into the industry working in and around, you know, bikes, which must've much, must've been great, right? That was your dream as someone who, who was so invested in cycling. No, it was, it was super good. Uh, probably the last, the last year in college, like bikes, bikes had kind of left my life a little bit. Um, uh, and, and I was walking, walking around life a little aimlessly. And, uh, and so got back I got back into riding bikes, got into mountain biking, uh, got into realizing that there was more to, to, to food than just pizza and burgers, realizing that, that people spoke other languages, uh, in, 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 in our cities. And it was just completely eye opening to me. And, and I realized that, that it was, it was awesome. So. Yeah. And so what did you study when you were at IU and when you left, you know, what did you think you were going to do at that point, even before you got this job in, in Seattle? Uh, I was an exercise science major. Uh, I thought, well, towards the end there, obviously they're, they're, they're kind of pumping people into cardiac rehab kind of stuff. And, wasn't really speaking to me. I, 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 you know, as, as I tell a lot of people on my staff now, I've got, I've got kids now working for me who are trying to wrap up a degree or, or they're somewhere on a gap year or something like that. It's like, no, you will go back to school and you will get a degree. So I kind of like left IU knowing that I had accomplished getting a degree, but I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. So I, I just kind of was on the, on the chase for trying to, trying to figure that out and getting into the bike industry with getting back into the bike industry or getting into the bike industry and then getting back into bikes was, was a huge help for me. Um, but I was 22, 23 and still slightly, I didn't have a, a, a true North that, that I was following yet. So, so I was bouncing around a little bit still then. So. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit about that. So, you know, you mentioned this idea of a, of a true North and you're bouncing around a little bit. So where, where does this first job lead you to what, how, how does that develop and, and where do you go next? Uh, that first job just kind of led me to realizing that there was more to life out there. Um, I ended up when I moved out to Seattle, I shared a moving truck with a friend from Indiana and I dropped him off in, in Colorado so I spent about nine months in Seattle and, and then I got restless. And, and so I started, my, my intent was to create a life where I could bounce back and forth between Seattle and Colorado. And so I came back to, to Colorado and hung out, hung out with some friends that I had here, ended back up in Seattle for a little bit, and then ended up, I was going to come to Colorado for, I grabbed my stuff and I was going to come to Colorado and work for six months. Uh, doing temp jobs, doing, doing whatever, whatever kind of came across my way. 
and then and then go back to Seattle and kind of do the same like oh I'll come back out and help you guys get the bikes ready for interbike or you know kind of doing whatever odd jobs I could you know being 20 like I said 22 23 that's that's a that's a pretty awesome life to to be bouncing back and forth yeah and so like what you know I'm what I'm hearing is that you know the work though is also like a little bit of an ends to a means like mm-hmm. like like what were you doing you know in these areas that was that was lighting you up and making it you know pretty ideal as as you put it uh, I what why I was enjoying this life was I was rock climbing I was kayaking I was I was mountain biking and and road riding you know that's that's what was 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 motivating me at the time was, was to be playing outside and, and skiing and snowboarding. So that, that's what was, was my driving force. But when on one of my stints here in Colorado, I ended up meeting, uh, uh, I ended up meeting my girlfriend who is still around in my life at this point. So moving back and forth between Seattle and Colorado was kind of that, that dream disappeared at that point. She wasn't super pumped on, on that transient lifestyle. So, which it's it turned out to be super good. Um, so I ended up working in Colorado for some, some, some random jobs for, for three years. I ended up packing boxes at a, at a, at a, a food supplement distributor for, for a couple of those years. And it just, it was not motivating me. And over that time I got involved with the mountain bike advocacy group and started building trails as a volunteer, starting getting more education about building trails. And then I was able to weasel my way into a job with Colorado state parks in, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and, and became a seasonal trail employee at, at, at a state park. So, um, so that's how I got into what I'm doing. And then, uh, after about a year, I realized that they didn't really pay me as a state employee. They paid me more as a contractor. So I woke up one day and realized that I had a business. I never had to make make that decision to start leave a job and start my own business because the state of Colorado forced me into that at the time. Yeah, thankfully for the state of Colorado, but <laughs> let, let's back up. I mean, you jumped, you, you 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 covered a lot of ground and you jumped right, you know, right into hey, I've got a business. But yeah. uh, you know, so you're you're working this job, you're pack odd jobs. One of them's packing mm-hmm. boxes, mm-hmm. but but you're you're lit up by the outdoors and you're lit up mm-hmm. by writing. And take me a little bit into this. You, you mentioned uh, that you joined a trail advocacy group. You started volunteering on the trail. Like, kind of take me back to that. Like, do you remember, like, the first, like, why you did it? And then maybe, like, what was the first trail you actually, like, started, you know, digging on or working on? Or, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. For, like, so that's that's a tough one. The first trail that we actually, I actually did trail work on, that would be, that's in the distant, that's in the distant memory. I, I remember the first one that I worked on as a professional, but, but really like what, what happened is, is Barb was in my life. She had moved to Colorado from new England where, where she had been mountain biking had been a, in, in her history back in new England quite a bit. And, and she had done some, some volunteer trail days. And so we both got involved with the, with the local group in Fort Collins um, together. And so she took me to a couple volunteer days I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to go ride my bike this weekend. And so, but ended up, ended up going to those and enjoying it, enjoying being outside and, 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 and wanting to do it more and, and realizing that 
it, it, it helped, it helped this passion that I had for mountain biking at the time. It helped, like um, I was helping to make, make the trails more, more to my liking because that's, you know, a lot of volunteers are out building on trails and, and their, their driving force typically is to make trails uh, more to their liking, whether, whether, whether hiking, mountain biking or, or equestrian use, they, they, they want to make the trails better for, for how they use the trails. Yeah. And that's where I was going with that. I mean, you know, I, I think my initial reaction, and I'm a little embarrassed to say would be like yours. It's like, Hey, I don't want to go to like an advocacy group. I want to go right. like ride my bike or hang with my friends. So like, just like, what is it about advocacy, even at that level, that's important? Like what, what caught your attention there or, you know, why, why, why was it important, you know, to Barb to, for you guys to go and, and, and do that? Well, at the time, um, mountain biking is the redheaded stepchild of outdoor recreation endeavors, if you will. Like it's, it's the, one of the younger ones to the table. We're trying to use the same trails as, as hiking and, and, and equestrian use. And so through advocacy, uh, mountain biking has been able to gain more access to more trails in the long run. You know, I was just gonna say, that's really interesting to me that like, you know, I think today, we look around and, you know, especially here in Colorado, but I think of everywhere. I was in Michigan for a while this summer. It's like mountain biking doesn't seem to be today this kind of younger, like less represented sport. It seems very mainstream to me. So to hear you say that and to take us back there is, is, is really interesting. And, and, and it, yeah, can you talk a little bit about like where mountain biking was at the time you were kind of getting into that? But I, I just find that really, really fascinating. Yeah, and I think that the efforts, the efforts of the late '90s and early 2000s, are why mountain biking seems way more mainstream at this point. But at, at the time, you know, we're, you know, mountain bikes were coming off of being fully rigid and cantilever brakes. Trails were not necessarily built for mountain biking at the time, and so they they were built by hikers and, and horseback riders and they saw a summit and they're like, we want to go to that summit. And so the trails kind of took the the direct route up, up the hill. And so for mountain biking at the time, uh, coming down a hill on cantilever brakes, which if you remember required pretty much your entire hand, your all four fingers to be gripping as tight as possible to, to kind of, you know, and they were, you know, rim brakes, disc brakes didn't exist. There were, there was barely any suspension at the time. So, mountain bikes were known for, for being reckless and out of control and, uh, didn't belong on trails. Um, and, and, and the trails were steep. And so there was a lot of hike a biking going up the hill to a lot of, a lot of, you know, skidding down the hill. And so, so it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for, for mountain bikers to keep access to, 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 to trails in local environments and whatnot. And, over time, disc brakes evolved and, and over time, you know, suspension happened. So, so it was easier to stay in control and, and it's always kind of fun to hop on a bike that has narrow handlebars, cantilever brakes and no suspension and go for a ride and just be like, I wish the kids today knew, understood what we went through back in the day. Right. Like, Oh, they have it so good with this technology, but at, you know, so but mountain hikers and equestrians, uh, to stereotype, they would say all this erosion on trails is caused by mountain bikers. They're the newest, the newest kid on the block, and and mountain bikers knew that that was not true. It was actually the design of the trail, 
were the trail that had not been designed, but had been walked in and hiked in and horsebacked in. And so, so mountain bikers took that opportunity to say, Hey, let's, let's, let's work on this. Let's reroute these trails. Let's make it the grade less steep. Let's make it more, the, the catchphrase is, is sustainable. I prefer the term durable. Let's make it more durable. And, and by through that, like the, the trail became easier to climb. So we didn't have to hike a bike as much and coming down, we were able to, to increase perceived speeds. So you feel like you're going faster, but you're actually more in control. And then it's like, Oh, you see a hiker, you're able to actually stop. And, and we're, you know, we're able to take out blind corners where, uh, his, you know, like it always seems that wherever there's a blind corner, there's a, there's a high rate of speed for a mountain biker and you come around the corner and there's a horseback rider and a cliff and it's like, you scare them. And it's like, they feel like they're about to fall off the cliff. So we were able to use, you know, trail design and, and, and trail maintenance and trail construction to kind of reshape the industry, making trails more, more sustainable, more durable. I'm sure some people will say I'm giving mountain bikers too much credit for, for, you know, the change in this industry. But if you look at, if you look at the companies that are out there who are pushing the industry forward, we all came from, from the sport of mountain biking. So, so I, I feel, I feel like it's a, a fairly accurate uh, assessment of life. Yeah. And I, I love that glimpse just into the early days and, and what it was like and, and the challenges and, and, you know, hiking your bike up and then bombing down and trying not to like flip over the handlebars. And so like, it wasn't easy, you know, and, and I remember the first time I was on a mountain bike, like it just, it was fun. It was cool, but it certainly wasn't easy. And right. so what, like, what did you love about it? Like why, why mountain biking with everything that you have going on, you have climbing, there was some, you know, road, road biking, all the things we do in Colorado. And I know you didn't just, probably didn't just abandon that stuff, but like, what was it that really lit you up about getting on a mountain bike back, especially back then, you know? I think, you know, one it's, it's a bicycle and, and bicycles have always been, uh, the, the one, the one tool that motivate me the most, um, as, as like, I can live someplace without skiing, but I cannot live someplace without mountain biking. Like, like you take my bike away, uh, I become a very sad individual. So I think why, why, what's, what's so great about a bike? It, it goes back to be, the, being the kid. Uh, the bike was my escape from reality. My the bike, the, you know, and it still is the escape from my reality. I may, you know, there was a, there was a period in life where I couldn't really ride a mountain bike trail without being critical of, of how that was built or how it was maintained. And, and today I may kind of think a little too much about work on it, but still it's how I escape reality of, of the world. Um, uh, and it's really nice. It's, 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 it's similar to like going snowshoeing in my, in, in my opinion, like, like if you, if you go for a hike, you have to walk up the hill and you have to walk down the hill. And, and let's not forget that walking down the hill is actually harder and on the knees, on the hips, on, on, on the feet, because you're breaking with, with, with your feet. And so, so it's just like snowshoeing. You walk up the hill, do you have to walk down versus mountain biking is like backcountry, you know, split boarding or, or skiing where you get to skin up the hill to slide down. And so same thing with mountain biking is you get to, you get to pedal up the hill and you get to roll down the hill. And that's, that's just way more fun than, than having to walk down it. So. Oh, thank you for that. And so, you know, you, let's go back to, you know, you, you've kind of fell, fallen into this, 
this job uh, with the state of Colorado. And and can you just reset that? So you're what, what are you doing for them at the time when you realize like, hey, like I'm a contractor and I've kind of got a thing going on here. Well, at the time, I'm I'm basically just the seasonal trails coordinator for for Lowry State Park and here in Fort Collins. My job is in 97, there was a, a, a large thunderstorm that sat over the park, over the town and, and flooded the park and a lot of the town. So so my job is to help complete a trails plan to to rebuild some of the trails up there from 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 that storm. I, I think it dropped like 12 or 15 inches of rain in like a 24 hour period. So a lot of the trails had gotten hammered from that. And and so my my job was to work with volunteers, work with youth corps to, to, and go out and work by myself to, to kind of maintain trails, reroute trails and, and implement this trail plan that the, the previous person had created. And, and it was a six month job. And so, you know, after the first six months, I, I, I got another, another job, another temp job here, here in Fort Collins. I then went back the, the following, the following summer and, the, the position was funded through a grant and it was that second year that, you know, it was like, kind of like, well, well, you're not really a state employee because of, you know, we can't, we can't use this grant money to pay you as a state employee. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not, a bit, I don't have insurance for this. And so, so we found a way to launder my money through, through a, a nonprofit locally that first year, but it really, and it, there was enough money for the next two years for me to be working at Lori state park. And so it kind of like allowed me to, to continue that, that second six month season. And then at the time the international mountain bicycling association was creating their trail solutions program. And they were leveraging people like myself to, to kind of show up on projects and help get them done. So I was able to start kind of like farming myself out and, and then do a little bit of contract work, planning work by a contract for Lori State Park in the wintertime. It, 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 it didn't really like, I like to say that I woke up one day and it, and it, and it hit me and, and it, and it kind of did, but it was really like a, a 12 month process for me to realize that, oh, hey, like I, they're, they're paying me as a contractor. Uh, it took probably two or three more years for me to realize that I had my own business, but I was, I was able to piece together three or four years of just constant trail work. And as, and even to this day, most people say like, Oh, I didn't know that you can make a living doing that. And it's just like, at the time I was even surprised that I could make it, you know, find a way to make, to make a living, just building trail. And, and, you know, it was amazing to, to realize that I could do that. Yeah. And so at this time, is it just you or do you have, are you uh, bringing on crew or what does that look like? I, uh, it was me, myself and I, I was, you know, if, if I was, if I was getting called up to, you know, Wyoming state parks called me in to, to, to wrap up a small project. Um, if it was trail solutions, I, I might show up and there were other, other, other vagabonds like myself who, who were trying to, to get into this business. So it might be a team on one of those projects, but, but, but really like from this is 2004, I like to say January 1, 2004 is the start of the business. So from this is like 2004 through say 2007, the business was was me myself and I. Um, I was I was out building by you know doing projects building by hand. By the end of that, I I, I owned a truck, a trailer, and a machine. I had you know work in Wyoming and Colorado, and and I was I was I was I was living the dream, if you will. <laughs> 
This episode brought to you by Wild Story. Wait, isn't that your company? It is. And without the generous support of Wild Story, this show would not be possible. A brand isn't a logo or a tagline or even your product. A brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or company. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Wild Story helps progressive founders and savvy marketers build purpose-driven brands that connect their business goals with the customers they want to serve so that both the business and the customer needs are met. This results in crazy, happy, loyal customers that purchase again and again, and this is great for business. If that sounds like something you and your team might want to learn more about, reach out at www.wildstory.com and we'd be happy to tell you more. Now back to our show. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, what's special or what's difficult about trail design and building at this time? And 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 what I mean by that is, like, why why not just like, why why aren't these organizations just you know using folks they have on the payroll or other community members handing them a shovel and saying get at it? Like, what's difficult about this or like what, what's the challenge? The challenge is most people feel like uh, I'll I'll put it this way. I, most people feel that trails are built by fairies and elves, even to this day. And that means that they just magically appear. Or if in the case of elves, there there is a union and they do get paid. But but trails just magically appear. It's like there's we want there's there's the sum of the mountain. Please just just go out and 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 you know cut some brush and and just you know, rake and ride is, is kind of what those trails are called because you could, you just rake some, some brush out of the way and, and you can, you can ride it and you can hike it and you can ride your horse on it. But they're like, where I struggle is some people say standards or specifications. And, uh, uh, this is, this is trail building. Our, our standard is plus or minus a foot. So, so I apologize to all the engineers, but engineers are not super fantastic at building great trail. And so at the time where it was coming from is, is at my, my job title at the time was trail artist. And so even today we say we create trail, we're, we're artists, we're a band of, of nomads and misfits and we're, and we're, and we create trail, we're artists. We take what the land gives us and we, we can see the ups, downs, lefts and rights and, and, and put that in. And if you just go out and build it like a road, you go, you go for a thousand feet and put a turn in and go for a thousand feet. That's just it's unengaging, you know, driving, driving a, a super highway is unengaging It's fast and straight. And we want to, we want to disengage from reality. And so you have to take the rocks and the trees and the terrain that, that, that the, the, the topography gives you and you have to artistically create something. So that, that was the difference then is, is those of us that were kind of seeing trails as art, uh, seeing trails as, as we want to take what the land gives us and, and build with that, not take what we want and put it, enforce it on the land. So, so that was the difference that that's why it was difficult, if you will. Yeah. And, and so I think this is a good time as I was researching, uh, prior to our, our interview here, uh, on your website, front and center, it says, we believe in the synthesis of connection. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means that like, as I like to say, we're trying to, we're trying to connect users and advocates to the trails of their dreams. We're trying to connect land managers to the trails that they want to manage. And I'm trying to connect staff to a, a dream job, if you will. I'm trying to, I'm trying to 
take nomads and misfits who who are passionate about about being outside and recreating and providing a good time for others and creating a job that that maybe someday they could afford a mortgage. I'm trying to create that. And so so the synthesis of connection is we're trying to take all these different concepts and we're trying to merge them together into into enjoying and enjoying the, the natural resources and escaping reality. And you mentioned this a couple of times. You talk about nomads and misfits. Like, why are they? Why are they the perfect employees? Why? Why? You know, normally nomads and misfits are not the ideal job description for for a business. So, like, why? Why is it? Why is that the ideal job description for you and Single Track Trails? One, I'm I'm a nomad and a misfit. I am I am best on the go and and putting me, putting me in many environments. I, I don't quite fit in, in, into most, in most social circles. So, um, but no, like in order to make a business, I realized early on in order to, in order to make a successful business, I was going to have to travel one that spoke to me because I love to travel. I want to go other places. And two, like, like there's only like, I'm, 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 my girlfriend lives in Fort Collins. I pay my mortgage in Winter Park and the companies are based in Grand Junction. So I'm I'm constantly on the go. But pick any one of those locations. There's there's only so many trails that can be built in a specific location. So so we've worked we've worked across the country. Um, and so a nomad and a misfit has to be, you know, there are people that are willing to chase chase the work to to enjoy life. And so let's go back a little bit. You said, you know, I think it's around 2007. It's just you up to that point. You've got a, you've got a truck, a tractor, uh, some, some machinery, some tools, like what, what changes for you in the business around then, which, which takes it into, I would say just a more of a growth mode or, or, or more of a larger business. Just a, I wouldn't say growth. I'd just say a larger business. What happened was I was doing so uh, a, a bit of work for Imba trail solutions and and over on the West Slope in Grand Junction, the IMBA, uh, an, another statewide nonprofit called Bicycle Colorado, and the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, uh, were all working on a plan for some trails based in downtown Grand Junction called um, the Lunch Loops, as 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 everybody knows it, or the Table Watch Trailhead, and uh, they had plans for uh, at the time was going to be the first official on on blm land technically on public land in the country free ride trail for mountain biking so not just your cross-country trail but a trail that has jumps and drops uh and one could argue that every trail has jumps and drops but at the time in 2007 this this was a huge thing so uh imba bicycle colorado and the blm have a what's a, a, a mou a memorandum of understanding to to push this project forward because it's in Colorado, but Bicycle Colorado was was going to be the 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 organization that pushed it forward, and so I I knew this and 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 I hounded the executive director at the time, Dan Grunig. I like I was I was uh, I he probably saw my emails come in and was just like oh this dude again, but I I hounded him until until he he could not resist anymore that I was I was supposed to be the the guy that that was was going to complete that project and help bicycle Colorado get it done. And Dan finally relented and, and, and brought, brought me on board to, uh, uh, you know, I was kind of a subcontractor slash employee of bicycle Colorado, 
and in September of 2007 uh, is is when we started building what is now known as Free Lunch. But in order to do that, I needed to bring on a couple other staff members, and one of those was a local bike shop mechanic that that did a lot of jump building and a lot of digging and and basically I was told by a couple people in meetings over in Grand Junction like if you want this trail to be a success you need to bring, bring James on board so I listened called up James and said hey would you help build this trail with me and and uh he said yes and uh it like like that sounds like the start of a relationship and it, and it was because 13 years later he is he is still with the company and and he is our chief project manager chief trail artist as well so so that was the change in 2007 is is got a big project had to bring on a staff member um and then the next year wyoming state parks had a big project brought on a couple more a more staff members and we were splitting time between grand junction and wyoming and continued over the next three or four years to to keep building up projects in in those two areas specifically but also start to chase work in in uh, in Utah, uh, we even went as far as as Tennessee in 2013. So, so that was that was the the start of it all. Yeah, and at that point, I mean, right before that inflection that inflection moment, were you vision, envisioning? Like, were you thinking, you know, I need to turn this into a, a bigger business? I want a bigger business, or was this all? Was it inertia? Was it just like, hey, there's an opportunity, and and, and it snowballed it from there? In, inertia, uh, like I like probably even through even through 2013 as as we chased a project that project in nashville tennessee it's like i just like i almost felt like the company was too big um like i just like i was okay with me plus a couple people but but um i hadn't really come to the realization that that if you're gonna if you were gonna build a business you had it you had to like create a business it was it was hey i like like there were some times where it like like we were wrapping up a project and I didn't know what was going to be, be next for us. And, and fortunately I had enough irons in the fire that something came through at the last second, we were able to keep working, but, but it was, it was total inertia. Like I had like, uh, in 2007, if you said this might be getting a little ahead, but if you said in, in, in 2007, if you said in 10 years, you're going to have, you know, a, a, a staff of, of, of 15 people and, and, you're going to be doing, uh, you know, seven times the amount of work you're doing right now. I've been like, no, thank you. I just no, that's, I don't want to do that. I just want to be out in the woods building trail. Um, let alone now I don't even, I don't even build trail anymore. I just, I just run the company. So. Yeah. And that's, that, that kind of leads me to a, a question that, that I've been forming <laughs> over the course of this interview. Like how do like, and we'll try to keep this short, but like, how does this work? You know, like, how does it start? Like, how do like, how do you even come into a project? What do you do? Like, what what is what does this actually look like? Every and that's the the great thing. If 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 the theme hasn't been obvious yet, I I'm not quite a dog with a squirrel or a bright light, but I I am almost like that. I I need to I like doing the same thing over and over is is not me. So every project is is different with 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 how with how it forms. Um, with how it gets to the finish line, you know, for us, some projects are, somebody calls us up and says, uh, uh, we have a trail, here's the flag line. We want you to build it this way. And we can do that. Some people call us up and say, Hey, we have this property. We have an idea for a trail. Could you come in and help, you know, lay it out and create, you know, 
create the design for it and we can do that. And some projects are a combination of the two. Uh, some projects go out to bid competitively on an R, on a RFP. Some projects are sole sourced and some projects are, are start out with an RFP and then they enjoy working with us and then we become sole sourced. So some projects are privately funded. Some projects are funded with grants and some projects are funded with line items out of municipal budgets. So every, every single project is, is completely different in terms of how, and how, in terms of how it gets to us and, and how, and how we create it. Yeah. And w with all that variability, I'm sure there's a lot of challenges, but what's the most challenging part of your business now? I mean, what, what's, what's the tough part, the thing that we don't see? Uh, the tough part is we were working as a business for 13 years before I realized that I needed to set up a business. <laughs> so I, I like, even though this is year 16 for single track trails, uh, it's really like year three of trying to be organized. And I, I do a lot of referencing to restaurant, the rest, like the restaurant industry. Like we have the front of the house and the back of the house, the front of the house include me and our biz dev guy and our marketing guy. And we chase the work and do the planning. And then the back of the house are the cooks, the chefs, the artists, the guys, and the staff and the gals that get the project on the ground. And so we have the back of the house is dialed. However, the front of the house is still being created and figuring out how to, oh, we have an HR issue. Do we have something for that? And every business chases this all the time, but that's the hardest thing right now is getting organized and making sure that the world doesn't think that we're like showing the world that we're not a junk show, even though we might be a junk show on the back end. <laughs> In in that vein, other than the idea that trails just magically appear, which I, I kind of just love that because I think that everyone probably just assumes that, uh, what else do people get wrong about the work you're doing? The biggest thing, and this, 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 this always, this happened quite a bit is, uh, especially this time of year, uh, last week, uh, oh, by the way, it snowed and there was basically a blizzard in Colorado, the earliest ever, um, right after record heat waves. And so people and this week is beautiful so so people will will head out and if they see our, our trail staff on this beautiful 83 degree day uh where we're finally smoke the forest you know there's no smoke in the air from the forest fires and they'll just be like you have the best job ever you're out here every day it's like where were you two weeks ago when it was 105 degrees and we were breathing smoke where were you last week when it was a blizzard and now this is the great like so everybody thinks we have the best job because we're outside but they always forget that we have to work in, in harsh environments. Yeah. One of the things I love about your story and what I know about you as well is, you know, from the outside, at least it appears that both opportunity and, and, and just, uh, problems are the mother of invention and progress for your business. And so I know that you have, uh, other businesses that have, that have come out of single track trails. What do those look like? Primarily, the other, the other, I have two other official businesses right now. One being Tools for Trails, which is an online tool retailer for uh, trail building supplies. And then a couple years ago, my ego acquired an existing business over in Grand Junction. It's a shuttle guide company called Desert Rat Tours. I had watched some friends run it as a side hustle, and I was like, and I was like, it doesn't take much work to to, to drive that business, and and my ego heard that they were selling it. And so I acquired it from them and 
since then, single track trails and tools for trails have been growing. So it's kind of the the redheaded stepchild of my of my of my businesses. <laughs> um, but now my side hustles are getting side hustles, if you will. Um, and tools for trails, we're we're developing a, a, a in house tool brand uh, called Backslope Tools. So we're trying to take the tools that that trail builders have have been using for you know a hundred plus years and and trying to modify them into to modern tools and, and give them a modern take on 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 how we actually use the tools and 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 make them make them stackable so you can put them in a trailer make them lockable in case they're they're in your in the back of your truck and you're in you're you're in downtown denver and and need to run into the hardware store or something like that but just also like like so many times after volunteer events or so many times at the end of a, a long work day, you sit around on a tailgate with a beer and you, you're like, ah, wouldn't it be great if we had this tool? And, uh, and so we're finally taking the time to, to take all, those, all that beer talk and actually turn it into tools and, 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 and make them modern. You know, it's, uh, uh, on, on a quick side note, one of, one of our Tools or Trails vendors sent out a, an email last week like, oh, hey, like we're like, we, we've, we've updated a tool and they took, they took a tool and they added four four inches to the handle length. And it's just like, Oh, that, that, that's an update. Okay. Um, no, thank you. So, so, so the side hustle has a side hustle there. And we're also looking at single track trails is also looking to get back into more land planning with a landscape architect on staff. And we're looking to get into some, you know, there's always fabrication needs for every trail project. So we're looking to maybe create a fab arm as well. So, when this when this pandemic hit, I was wondering if the business was going to survive, and I figured that when I wasn't going to be traveling, uh, I get kind of bored, and I was like, hopefully I don't start another business. And and fortunately for us, Single Track Trails is going to survive and 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 prosper at this point. And I started three other businesses, so I kind of like succeeded but also failed at my goals in March. So <laughs> the good kind of failure, and so. <laughs> You know, as you were talking, what really struck me is that almost, and, and you can correct me because this is just my my interpretation, but that trail building and where you're at today, it, it really is really paralleling the journey you described of mountain biking itself, you know, a ways back where we started. It was kind of like, um, you know, we had the best that we had, but the technology just wasn't there. And it sounds like now, you know, through tools for trails and, and, and your other, your other side hustles of side hustles that, you know, you're working to bring trail building into a more, you know, technologically, uh, current state, you know, the right tool for the right job. I mean, would that, would that be accurate? Uh, uh, the answer is yes. Uh, the short, I guess the short answer to that is yes. Um, I'm I'm just trying to take advantage of, of of situations that I kind of kind of see in front of me. Um, um, again, like the intent was not when when all of that when all of this started, uh, the intent was not to 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 intentionally modernize the tools and whatnot. It was just like, hey, can can we take the time to produce this tool? And the tool and the tool brand came specifically from uh, Tools Trails, which has been around for eight years. Uh, as 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 a small like just providing uh, single track trails and 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 trail groups in Colorado with tools, it, it came around with like there's not a lot of margin in the tools that we sell, and so it's like having been in the bike industry, having been on the periphery of of outdoor recreation 
industry. Like how, how can we create a supply chain that gives us better margin so that every time, every, every group that calls me up wants, wants 50% off on their tools and me being the guy like, yes, you're putting great trail on the ground here, here you go. It's like, how can we make it so that if I give somebody a discount, I'm not basically paying for their tools as well. So, so that's, that's where, you know, it just, it just keeps the opportunities kind of keep coming because at best I'm an opportunist. It's just like, I'm just taking advantage of, of, of what life is giving me. And so what makes a great tool? In, in the, in the historic words of Keith Bontrager in the bike industry, light, cheap, and strong pick two. However, we're trying to do all three. We're trying to make it, we're trying to make it light. We're trying to make it strong and we're trying to make it affordable. And so what does single track trails look like today? Today, we are a, a staff of about 47 people. We have a front range Colorado based staff. We have a Grand Junction based staff. We're looking to expand uh, staff based into Salt Lake City. Last year, uh, fall of 2019, I, I brought on a longtime subcontractor based in Brevard, North Carolina. So we have North Carolina based staff and we were trying to build up these, re- we used to be an, uh, a regional company that worked nationally, and now we're trying to become a national company that works regionally. And so we're trying to develop and scale through these, through these, these smaller regional hubs versus, versus trying to take Colorado staff all over the, all over the country. Yeah. Is anything scary about that? Uh, no. And that's probably what I should be scared about. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, it, it, uh... I mean, the, the great, the great thing I get to do, like for, for me personally, for a guy that loves to travel, it's like, I get to go to Salt Lake and Park City on a regular basis. I get to hopefully, you know, go to Brevard, North Carolina and ride Pisgah and, 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 and the trails in, in Knoxville and down into Georgia. And, and, you know, at some point we'll probably expand into New England and maybe Oregon and California. And so, so like, like, woe is me. I like, I get to travel to, to great places and ride great trails and, and hang out at great breweries and, and with great people all over the place. So no, it, it doesn't scare me. It, it, it makes me, it makes me want to pop the clutch and punch the gas. Let's go. Yeah. And I was going to ask that. And I think you just, you answered the question, but I was going to, you know, w- you know, people do get wrong. You said like, Hey, you got the dream job, but it does sound in a lot of respects, you have the dream job. And, and do you, you know, I was going to ask, do you really get to ride, you know, the trails that you work on? Do you really get to experience the towns? But I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of answer that over again, but it, it, it sounds great. Yeah. Uh, the answer is yes. I, I, I have created a, a dream job. Um, you know, what, you know, even, even on the crappy days in my staff now, they, 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 they enjoy the crappy days just as much as they enjoy the great days. But no, I, I, I get to, are, are there people that are more fit on a bicycle than me because they get to ride more often? Yes. However, I get to go to, you know, all these great places and, and ride the, the great trail with somebody who knows it. Um, I have some other friends that I, I travel with every spring or fall. We'll go to, down to Arizona to the desert and whatnot. And I'll be like, Oh yeah, I've got, I've got Joe coming out to ride with us today. And they're like, who I'm like, like, is there any place in the country that you can go and not be one phone call away from a ride partner? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And that was like, and that was in that, and really at that moment, it was just like, yeah, that's pretty badass. <laughs> that is pretty badass what about a trail drives you crazy like what what do you see that you just that just ruffles your feathers 
when they when they force their will onto the terrain you know we can we can get into the nitpicking of like well that corner's too tight or it's or or you should have gone below that rock or above that rock you know every you know you know it's it's art everybody has a different representation of of what that art, art is you, like a lot of people look at a jackson pollock and think he just threw paint on a canvas and for 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 me it's when you take a you basically take the machine that you have you have a, a concept for a trail and the terrain is not what that what that should be take uh uh you know, we, we have to do this sometimes, but you, you, you have to build a green downhill trail across a black ski run. Like that's, is that the best use of that terrain? Probably not. If you're working in Iowa, you know, and they want a rocky technical train, which is like a rocky technical trail. And it's just like, well, with what rock, like this is Iowa, <laughs> you guys, you guys sold off all your rocks a hundred years ago for better farming. And, and so when you, when you just kind of, you know, engineer a trail that that's that's what bugs me that's what bugs me the most you you need you need to to take what the earth gives you and you need to 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 shape your trail because of that if you could only ride one trail ever again which one would it be and why just one just one i know it's hard i know it's hard but i want to know i want to know what you like you know what your perfect trail looks like one trail or one region I'll give you a region. Grand Junction Fruta, thank you. <laughs> that was that was tough. Um, <laughs> uh, and the re- the reason being, I I love the desert, and the reason it, I, you know bikes are like shoes, trails are like shoes. You can't just have one pair, right? You need a pair of shoes for for every event. And so, Grand Junction Fruta, it's the desert. I love the desert. Uh, we have rocky technical trails there that we you know we have built, and also others have built there. We have the in-between trails and there's even some, some pumpy jumpy trails and uh, that's where I would pick. But as I ramble through this, this question, like there's a trail in winter park that we built a few years ago, we call it howler. And that's like, I could ride that trail a whole lot. Nice. Nice. And so as we come to our close here, Greg, question we ask everyone on the show, if you ran into your 20 year old self today, what do you think he'd say? hopefully a couple nice things. I mean, I was 20, I was opinionated and, uh, not always the nicest of dudes to, to other people. So I think I would approve of the life choices that I, that I've made. I have, I have figured out how to take what has been given to me and, and turn it into something that, that I enjoy. And I think that's, you know, trying to think back, this is a fantastic question, trying to think back about I was desperately trying to be a road bike racer at the time, and I would probably be excessively disappointed that that didn't work out. But hopefully I would be smart enough to realize that I turned life into something pretty awesome. And that is Greg Mezu. Take what the land gives you. This keeps echoing in my head, and I can't help but think that's a metaphor for life as well especially as all our lives have been upended during this pandemic. What would our lives and the world look like if we took what it gave us instead of trying to force engineer against it? Hmm, just a thought. Thank you again to Greg Mezu, Single Track Trails, and Tools for Trails. Well, that's the show. Until next time. 
Make sure to visit our website, www.wildstory.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. I like big stories and I cannot lie. You other storytellers can't deny. 